You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, a place where we practice a deep and authentic welcome, where we listen deeply to where love is calling us next, and a place where with humility, courage, and compassion, we act for justice in the world. To learn more, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Good morning, friends. As you're as you're coming in, um, I invite you to say hi in the chat. Let us know where you're joining us from this morning. And uh, this morning, this is our coming of age service. And so, I actually wanted to focus in on um, a, a little conversation with Claire and with Emma. Claire and Emma, um, I wonder if you all could uh, introduce yourselves a little bit and. Um, you know, as we think about the coming of age program this year, I'm curious, as you look back on the year, what uh, what struck you about this year's COA program? Sure. Good morning, everyone. My name is Claire Trolley. I use she, her pronouns. And um, I've actually been teaching eighth grade OWL for about the past decade. And something that I've noticed with eighth graders is they go through this magical transformation sometime in about January or February of their eighth grade year. And this year I was able to see that similar magical transformation in our ninth graders. And one thing that I was reminded of even more this year is that in many ways, 13, 14, 15 year olds, it's kind of a bridge from childhood to adulthood. And while they still have a foot in each world, they move steadily closer to the adults that they're going to become. And it's such an amazing and wonderful transformation to watch. Thanks so much, Claire. What, uh, what about you, Emma? Uh, what, what struck you this year, this, this rather uncommon year? Hi everyone, I'm Emma Paskowitz and I'm the Youth Programs Coordinator here at First Universalist Church. It's a blessing to be with you all this morning. Thanks Arif for the question. Um, I realize that my answer is something that I, I think I realize every spring, but particularly with this group of youth, the words that you're gonna hear from them and you'll, you'll probably agree with me as well when you hear their words. They are the models for how to do church, y'all. They, the ways that they have shown up for each other and for us as both adults and in their small groups has been absolutely incredible. The authenticity, the risks that they took and the risks that we've all been taking this year in, in how to be there for each other uh, in ways that maybe we, we weren't sure how to do yet. And so I just um, am reminded and particularly grateful for this particular group of youth for how they showed up for each other this year. Thank you both, uh, both for your reflections as well as everything that you did this year to make coming of age happen. I also want to let you know about a special service that's coming up in a few weeks. This is our flower communion service and we'll be celebrating it on June 6th. In years past, flower communion has been a ritual of community, of coming together, of sharing the beauty and diversity of who we are through the gift and exchange of flowers. 
We will talk more about the ritual and its meaning on the 6th. You can Google it if you want to, but not right now. Um, but here's what we want to invite you into this morning. Because we can't gather in person, because we can't exchange flowers in person, we would like to invite you to send us a photo of yourself with flowers. We need those sent to us by Monday the 24th. They will become part of the service and directions for how to do that are in your order of service. Finally, I wanna say a word about today's service. As you likely saw in our email newsletter or online, today's service is our coming of age service. Coming of age is a program in which our eighth and ninth graders spent a year, they spent this last year digging into the big questions in religion, spirituality, and ethical action. What does it mean to be human and alive? How should we live? Is there a God? And if so, what sort of God is there? Much of today's service is therefore comprised of these statement of faith, these statements of faith rather. And in these statements, our young people are inviting us into their lives and their worlds. And friends, it is a holy and inspiring place. And so as we move into this time of worship, let's settle in together. Let's connect across time and space with three slow, deep breaths. And so I invite you to take a deep breath in and let it out very, very slowly. and take another deep breath in and exhale very, very slowly. And let's take one last deep breath in and slowly breathe out this breath that connects us across time and space. And now, friends, we will hear Lilia's faith statement as our call to worship, and then please join Canute and Harriet in saying the words for the lighting of our chalice. Hi, I'm Lilia. It wasn't easy to write this poem. I wrote lots of drafts and versions. Some were half the size of this one, and some were four times as long. Then on the Friday before the rough draft was due, I sat down and wrote it. That week, there had been a walkout at my school, the verdict release, and multiple other police shootings and tragic news stories. It was an emotional and hard week, and I had no idea how I was going to write a poem or faith statement when I was so overwhelmed. But looking back on it, I think that helped. To be reflecting about my faith after getting through a hard week like that. Because I think for me, faith or spirituality is more present when my outside world is chaotic and so I turn inwards to get through it. At the same time, I try to remember and notice nature and the things around me that aren't built by humans and my connection with them. It helps me to know that in nature, chaos and peacefulness, confusion and calm can all exist at once. And the same is true for me. This year, there have been many of those weeks of having to live without the things we used to depend on while also witnessing and participating in the struggle and fight for justice. And though it's tough, 
it brings out and creates strength and faith. So here's my poem. The impeded stream is the one that sings. Wendell Berry. Faith drives determination. Society builds expectations of perfection. Better than enough. A shining diamond in the rough. We can get caught up in this, or we can step back and trust the moment that there is beauty here coming. What brings you back, pulls you through, moves you forward, holds and loves your pain so you can gain from its strength and faith to make the strength determined, to not leave it in the dust where you left your pain. Maybe what connects and holds and heals is God, community, the universe, life, love, or ice cream. Maybe it doesn't have a name. No two experiences could be the same, so you couldn't master perfection. No matter how many times you come at it, because life will find another way to come at you. You can lean into and learn, though, and grow, and remember faith and persist. Make a list of your values to aim towards, but never really reach. Reach, but with your feet always planted here, in the moment and the flow, grateful that songs come from the messy, imperfect, and natural streams. Thank you. Please join me for the words of the lighting of the chalice. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. I um, so appreciate the love that you are sharing in the chat. Many of our coming of age participants are with us in the service this morning. So yeah, you are encouraged to, to share the love. Um, so. I wanna talk for a few minutes right now to uh, the younger ones who are here with us this morning. If you're one of the younger ones that are with us in the congregation, can you let us know that you're here in the chat or maybe have your grownups let us know, um, maybe tell us how old you are just so that we know who's, who's here with us. So as you're doing that, dear ones, Today is a really special service. And I wanted to tell you two things this morning. The first is that today you will be hearing from a bunch of eighth and ninth graders about what they care about and what helps them to lead a good life that they feel good about. So I hope that you'll stay with your grown-ups. I hope that you will pay attention to what the eighth and ninth graders say. And if you have any questions, I hope that you I hope that you know that you can reach out to your grown-ups, you can reach out to me or your religious education teachers. A lot of what we do at church is to learn about the questions that we have and to share what we think about them. What I want you to know is that your questions are really important to us. The second thing that I wanted to tell you is that Many of the stories that you will hear today from our eighth and ninth graders are about where and how they feel connected spiritually. That's a way of saying the places or the times where they feel very connected to the people around them, to the earth and everything that it is, and to what is most true and real in their hearts. 
I wonder if you ever feel that way, connected to the people around you, connected to the earth, connected to what is most true and real in your hearts. In particular, I would love to hear from our kids and youth in the chat. Where is a place that you love to be, a place where you feel deeply connected to your family, to your community, to the earth, or to the holy? And now, friends, let's hear a story from Henry about a place that's special to him and what makes it so special. As you're watching and listening, I want to invite you to pay extra attention to the sounds you hear in the background of Henry's story. My name is Henry Mitchell Crow, and this is my spiritual statement. For my nature ritual, we are at our family friend's farm in Canadice, New York. I've been going there since I was six years old. It's kind of a home away from home. When I look outside, I can see the pond reflecting back the sky and the animals. I also see so many different kinds of flowers and trees. Especially during the nature vigil, I noticed things I wouldn't have noticed if I hadn't paid attention. I noticed all the different noises the birds made, that if you sat still enough on the dock, fish would come and swim by you. As soon as you made any movement, they would dart away. When I'm there, I just feel really relaxed. During the vigil, it was refreshing to just be alone with your thoughts, no other people, no devices. You can think without any disruptions. I mostly thought in the moment, looking around outside, building rock towers. I also thought about everything we talked about in class, like death, God, spirituality, and what I believe in. I had sure opinions on some, and I wasn't sure about others, and I was okay with that. Spending an hour outside really helps me lower my stress and makes me happier. To be honest, I'm not often wanting to go outside, but once I actually get out there, it's quite peaceful. The experience actually reminded me of the poem I chose called Summer Day by Mary Oliver earlier this year for our sacred text. Things that worry me don't seem to bother me when I'm there. It's a spiritually grounding place because it's very beautiful and familiar, where you can go on an adventure just by walking out the front door. Thanks so much for that story, Henry. Now, friends, let's open our hearts with music and join Julika, Aliana, and Skylar in singing Gathered Here. Gathered here in the mystery of the hour, gathered here in one strong body, gathered here in the struggle and the power, spirit draw near. Gathered here in the mystery of the hour, gathered here in one strong body, Gathered here in the struggle and the power, spirit drawn near. Gathered here in the mystery of the hour, gathered here in one strong body. Gathered here in the struggle and the power, spirit drawn near. Spirit. Draw near. 
thanks, Jula Khan, Aliana, and Skylar. Spirit, draw near. As we move into this time of prayer and quiet and reflection, spirit, draw near. How does it happen? The trees are brown and bare and seemingly lifeless, and then suddenly, they are a green haze, a outpouring of color, an explosion of blossoms. How does it happen? The child who once squirmed in our laps as we listened to the service now speaks to us of their faith and what they trust in as they move through the world. How does it happen? The mother who once hiked the great outdoors lays quiet and smiling in her hospital bed, waiting for her time to become an ancestor. Spirit of love and life, God of many names and beyond all naming, here we are, unfolding, blossoming, changing, waiting, dying and becoming all over again, all of us turning, all of us moving in this great cycle of life. This morning gathered here, we pause to breathe in, to breathe in this very moment, to be here now with our children and our youth, with all of what we bring, with our mothering needs, with our parenting efforts, with our broken and mending hearts. Here we are remembering that life is always changing and so are we. And so we pray this morning that the spirit of life, that you spirit of life would crack open our armor, would snag our attention so that we might recognize our own greening spirits, our own leafy possibilities, our own turning into something new. And now I invite you to share in the chat those things that are weighing heavy on your spirit this morning, the grief or sorrow or worry that is with you, to name those things so that we can hold them together in a witnessing way, in a prayerful way. I invite you to name those things now. And of course, of course, we are holding prayers and reflections that begin with thank you, begin with wow, that begin with just a feeling of awe or appreciation. We are holding things in the space that bring us joy, bring us hope that lift our spirits, and we can hold those things together as well. And so I invite you to share those things that are filling your cup bringing a smile to your face, lifting your spirit. As we hold these sorrows and these joys, we pray, may the grip of addiction be loosened 
May the weight of oppression be lightened. May grief be shared. May joy be break through. And may love make every suffering bearable for us all. May it be so. Blessed be. And amen. Let's sing Spirit of Life with Ani Peichel. Spirit of life, come unto me. Sing in my heart other stirrings of compassion. the shape of justice blues Friends, coming of age is one of the programs that I think of as one of our banner programs in Unitarian Universalism. Along with Our Whole Lives, a lifespan program that teaches healthy relationship skills and information about sexuality, along with neighboring faiths, where our youth literally ask and answer who is our neighbor, coming of age is a program that I am deeply proud of as a Unitarian Universalist. I am consistently inspired by our coming of age youth. Listening to them makes me a better Unitarian Universalist. Let me, let me unpack that a little bit. You have likely heard it said that in Unitarian Universalism, you can believe anything you want. In a non-creedal religion where we don't dictate or require that you profess a specific religious doctrine or statement of belief, it's easy to see why one might think, well, if you don't tell us what to believe, we can believe anything, right? It's a reasonable leap. And honestly, it is a comfortable shorthand for us as Unitarian Universalists. But as you know, it isn't true. Now, I'm not waving a scolding finger here. That's not my thing. That's not my style. And it's important for us to talk about this because as you know, there are a great many things that don't fly in Unitarian Universalism. Theologies and ideologies that oppress, that cause harm, that privilege one group over another or profess an unquestioned certainty or rightness of belief just don't fit here. Unitarian Universalism calls us to continually widen our circle of concern, to tend to the least amongst us, to always be open to new or to more truth. As our circle widens, so too do the perspectives brought into that circle. And equally, our commitment to the unity of God, creation, and ourselves as the created points us in the direction of the necessity to reconcile truths that may seem to be at odds or minimally to hold them in tension, believing that someday 
we may understand how it all fits into a larger, more coherent, more cohesive whole. Or to put it much more simply, ours is a tradition that is always being made and remade, and that does so not from on high, but from the ground up, through relationship, and in community. Part of my role, then, as a minister is to reflect back to you the theological conversation that's happening in this congregation and coming of age is one of the key ways that we do that. Coming of age is not just our youth saying what they believe right now. It, it is that, but it is also one of their most public and perhaps first opportunities to share the theology that they are making and to do so as part of this community of adults that they can now enter. So I invite you to receive these statements in that spirit, welcoming in the theologies of these young people as they join us in the larger meaning-making and meaning-living enterprise of this congregation. We're gonna hear now from four of the participants from Coming of Age, Eli, Finn, Biniam, and Haley. And I invite you to get comfortable as you take this in. Hello, I'm Eli Crum and this is my spiritual statement. I'm currently at Adina High School doing what can only be fairly described as wrangling what refined dirt on a spinny thing until I think it looks good. Or pottery. Yet despite this unflattering description, I've found that this is an activity I can find a great deal of peace of mind in. Although I've yet to fully understand why, what I do know is that there's a certain symbolism in making something out of clay. I love the idea of not knowing what you're making beforehand, having to work with what's happening on the wheel, not making the clay work with how you want it to. What I mean by that is that with clay, seeking out to make something before you're actually on the pottery wheel is something of a fool's errand. You make something based on entirely how you're thinking in the moment and how the clay is acting with it. This is especially important to me during the pandemic when it's so easy to get caught up in what will happen. Will I pass this class? When will I get to see my friends again? All of it makes all of this makes it so easy to forget the importance of living in the moment. And when I'm on the wheel making something, I can forget about anything else and just for a moment feel as if there's nothing I need to worry about, nothing that needs to change, at least for now. Hi, I'm Finn McMahon Hinkleman and this is my spiritual statement. When I was asked to write a faith statement during coming of age, I was stressed. I didn't know where to start. I don't really think about religion that much. The only thing I know about religion is that I don't know. I don't know if there is a God or if there isn't. If there is, that's fine with me. And if there isn't, that's fine too. Either way, I would like to believe that a higher power isn't in charge of my life than I am. But I wouldn't exactly call myself an atheist either. As a disabled person, there are certain things you can and can't do. If there isn't somebody to help you with the things you can't do, now what? In my case, you pray to a higher power. 
God, spirit, whatever you want to call it. That's what I do. An example prayer would be like, could somebody please help me with X thing that I'm doing? Putting this out into the universe makes me feel a little less powerless because it makes me feel like, hey, I did something. But as a person who wants to believe they are in control of their own life, yet still prays for help, what is that? What would you even call that? I certainly don't know. I don't think I need to have an answer because my belief system is still developing. So in preparation for my spiritual statement, I asked a lot of different people about their religious beliefs. And the one question that people asked me pretty unanimously was, do you pray, Finn? They treated it like it was some be all end all of religion. Like if you pray, you must believe in a higher power. The assumption makes me uncomfortable and it makes me feel like they are making a lot of assumptions about me and my beliefs. They might be thinking, oh, you're a religious person now. I hate that they assume that they know me, especially since I'm still figuring out what religion is. One thing I do know is that praying does something for me. I don't know what it does, but it must help me in some way, or else I would like to think I wouldn't do it. Does it give me hope? Maybe. Does it work? Possibly. I don't think I'll ever know, but that's okay. What I realized through writing this is that you don't have to know. So I guess I'll just keep on not knowing and keep on trying to accept the fact that I don't know. Hi, my name is Beniam Hedge. I'm at Badema Casca. Some things that I see in my surroundings are trees, birds, and people enjoying nature. When I'm here, I feel like I can take a break from the world and all the stress that comes with it. I can ground my thoughts and feel like myself when I'm by the water. After I visit this place, I feel like my body is calm and my thoughts are gathered. This is a spiritual grounding place for me because it makes me feel grateful and it connects me to mother nature. I'm, I, I'm still not sure if there is a God, but there are moments when I question myself if he exists. The waves help me relax and feel the earth. The windy trees make my body flow with the earth and everything that comes with it. When my thoughts are gathered, it makes my body feel like it can really dig deep into the roots and unfold the most important feelings that I've been holding in and let them free. Being in nature is soothing and feels amazing. Having the world stop for a second so I can gather my thoughts can help me as a person. I love my spiritual place and everything that comes with it. Hi, my name is Haley Durkee, and my spiritual statement is about distractions and the nature of being human. Before I wrote this essay, I completed my nature vigil in my grandma's backyard. For a nature vigil, you're supposed to find somewhere in nature, 
preferably somewhere quiet. The goal is to sit outside and observe your surroundings for up to two hours. You aren't supposed to bring your phone, books, or anything else that might distract you. So, that's what I did. I left behind my cell phone and book at my house. I brought a folding chair, a raincoat, an umbrella, and the notebook I received from my coming-of-age class this year. But, just as I was leaving my house, I thought, what if I get thirsty or hungry while I'm sitting outside? So, I went back inside to grab a water bottle and an unopened package of marshmallow peeps that I got for Easter. Looking back, I probably shouldn't have brought the peeps. Firstly, they were really unhealthy, but also they might have counted as a distraction. But, in my defense, they didn't say you couldn't bring a snack. Anyway, I finally got in the car with my mom, and we drove off to my grandma's house. When we got there, I said hello to my grandma, told my mom to come get me after about an hour, and went into my grandma's backyard. We've reached the point in the story when I should probably tell you about my grandma's backyard. My mom and I didn't drive 45 whole minutes away, just so I could sit in another small, portioned-off lot in a city, filled to the brim with Kentucky bluegrass, a stunted tree or two, and not much else. No, my grandma's backyard is nothing like my own. It is much better than that. During just the one hour of my nature vigil, I saw more species of animals and heard more birds than I would have seen if I'd sat all week in my own backyard. To a city girl like me, my grandma's backyard is a jungle. Needless to say, I enjoyed my nature vigil quite a lot. But as I sat alone in virtual silence in my grandma's backyard, I couldn't quite enjoy myself because there was always something in the back of my mind. The sealed package of three marshmallow candies had had completely engulfed my thoughts. The peeps. At the beginning of my nature vigil, I had a plan. Since there were three peeps in the package, I would eat one every 20 minutes. But since I didn't have a timer, I couldn't tell when 20 minutes had passed. I was always distracted by the peeps. I was thinking, have 20 minutes passed yet? Have they? Can I eat them now? In the end, I didn't time it correctly. And when my mom came to get me and tell me that an hour had passed, I had only eaten one out of the three peeps. Defeated, I gave one to my mom and saved the other for later. Only then did I realize that I got very distracted about something that didn't really matter. And then I also realized that distractions are usually like that. They're small, unimportant things that prevent you from seeing the bigger picture. Sure, your phone can be a distraction, but so can a job or a career that doesn't matter to you. It can be anything that stops you from achieving your goal in life. Your goal could be to confront a large issue in the world, such as racism, disease, or poverty. Anything that you deeply care about. My goal is to confront climate change, so that the people who come after me will live better, longer lives. But, sometimes I get wrapped up in smaller problems that really don't matter in the grander scheme of things. Just like the story I shared earlier. When that happens to me, I just take a step back. I ask myself if I will remember what I just did 10 years from now and if it will have an impact on anyone's lives. If the answer is no, then I should probably be doing something better with my time. Since I'm a teen in the 21st century, there are so many distractions in my life. My spiritual goal is to pay attention to less of those so I, I can live a better life. Let's take a moment to take all that in. Those were just a few of the almost 40 coming-of-age youth that shared spiritual statements yesterday. Presence, 
prayer, connection, purpose, and a call to bless the world. And some reflections on whether snacks are an appropriate thing to take on a nature vigil. Friends, those were just a few of the things that I heard from those four amazing youth and from Henry and from Lilia. And I'm sure you heard things that I didn't hear, had ideas that were sparked in your mind. You're sharing many of those with us and the congregation in the chat right now. Here's something that you may not know. These coming of age youth are now, the vast majority, are now eligible to become members, formal members of this congregation. Our bylaws provide for membership for anyone 14 years of age or older. And you can be sure that I'm going to extend the invitation to our coming of age youth to become members. And I sincerely hope that some of them will choose to join us. Friends, if we were gathering in person today, some of you would approach these young people after the service with gratitude and with questions. Your questions to them would spark dialogue and from that dialogue relationship, new perspectives and perhaps even synthesis might emerge. When I listen to the faith statements of our youth, they not only help me to understand and be inspired by what they believe, but they also invite me to look again at what I believe. This is part of the process by which we define together where it is that we are trying to go as people, where and how we hope to grow and what sort of world we aspire to live in. This is the foundation for how we are with each other and how we work together to bless and to heal the world. May it be so, and amen. And now let's hear a musical reflection from one more of our COA youth, Lucian, who composed the piece we're about to hear as their statement of faith. we have reached the end of our service. Our closing words come 
from one of our COA youth, Carolyn. Let's, let's hear her closing words now. For me, so much of coming of age has been about embracing church, about a conscious decision to give energy and thought to this community. Because it's not easy. It's not easy to say what I think to my small group of nine other people, let alone what I believe in front of a hundred people. And it's not easy to accept that I can't do it alone. I think that's what I've learned, that church is there to hold you and guide you. Not to tell you who you or what you believe in or to punish you when you get it wrong, but to hold you to your own standards and beliefs, never letting you lose faith. Every Sunday morning when we would meet for coming of age, whether we were talking about sacred texts or each other's weekend plans, we were putting faith in each other, trusting enough to share our joys and our concerns and enough to pass when we couldn't find the words. We were building and joining an interwoven community of people who had faith in each other, who, when we die, will carry us and continue us in an entangled, nameless legacy. I realized that's what I put my trust in. I put trust in having faith enough to be open to be open to new truth and different truth, to be open to change and to be open to others. I think that's powerful, to be brimming with conviction when I say I don't know. To say that I believe in God and to know that I will not be in a community that is constrained, who listens to where they're called and not where they're sent, who has faith. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. While this is only the first step, I can have faith in the next. And together, I think that's enough. Friends, with full, full hearts for all that we have received, please join me in singing Go Now in Peace. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text First Univ, that's F I R S T U N I V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.